Welcome to the Sacramento Charismatic Podcast and Show. You can subscribe to this on YouTube. Uh, my name is Jeff Holsclaw, and I know I haven't been here for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, because you know there's been a lot going on. COVID. Um, there's been a lot of racial kind of unrest and tension. The church is just all crazy. So I'm sorry that I've taken a while to put out new episodes of the Sacramento Charismatic. So t- uh, hold on, Jeff. Um, what? What are you dude, doing on my? Dude, get off my your, show, man! Get what off are my you? Show. Hey, uh, on a serious level, how did you get access to my my podcast? I don't know what just happened. If you need to ask, <sighs> Jeff, 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 Doctor Holsclaw, I should I should say. I'm glad to be back on the show, Luke. We were just kidding there that I was hostile taking over the show. It is, it is we all actually, have some side projects that have been languishing. Uh, this is sure. one of yours. I have a podcast called the God with us podcast. It's very languishing. We haven't put out an episode since March. I know. So, but Hey, I think, you know, I think it's interesting because, uh, the whole COVID-19 thing at, st- at first I was like, Oh my gosh, I will become the content creator that I was designed to be. And, you know, was pumping out podcasts and recording them and everything. And then I don't know, man. I just, uh, I, I didn't, I had to disconnect. And then I don't know about you, but then when all the crazy, um, just the, the rioting and protesting and the good conversations are happening, I just kind of needed to unplug. I don't know about you, but yeah. oh yeah, but you've been writing a lot. You've been writing a lot. Oh. Though. You've been actually, you've been writing I've a been lot of Facebook posts. Oh yeah. Well, I suppose <laughs> Facebook posts. I'm working on a project right now called uh, a little ebook called uh, theology that doesn't suck. So you and I have been talking Ooh. about that, but I haven't been doing a lot of writing. I want to do more writing. So I, that's, I think July is going to be the month of, of more, more writing. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Is that, and that's like what I guess um, that's like what theologians in residence do, right? They write, are you that? I don't know. I'm not a theologian in residence. So my wife, yeah, you are. Role. No, no, no. We share the role of, you are. You need to claim that title. <laughs> At your house, you are the theologian oh, in residence. That's true. That's true. My kids yeah. need to know that. You're quite right. Quite so. right. <clears throat> well, on my hijacking of this podcast, I thought because I'm the theologian resident of this podcast, just for the next however long. I like that. Saying, I thought great. we would talk about how the sacramental charismatics are necessary for theology. We need sacramental charismatics for the theological process for theologians for theological training is that something we could talk about today luke are you down dude i love that uh i think that's a good topic um yeah like i mean why do you uh why why does sacramental theology from a charismatic perspective or charismatic theology from a sacramental perspective why is that why does that matter what's the point um so the first thing i need to clear up with you is what does sacramental mean? There are sacraments, but what's what's a sacramental? Are these like transcendentals? Are these philosophicals? Mm. Like what is the what makes something sacramental? Yeah, that's uh, you know, I whenever whenever I when I first started this podcast, that was probably the most consistent question I'd have from people <laughs> <laughs> was was when are you gonna get to defining what sacramental is? Because I think a lot of my my audience people are charismatic evangelicalish type people who are like dabbling in the sacramental world. You know, they've read a, read a few books here and there. And 
and uh, so I've been I've been kind of thinking about yeah eventually putting out some some uh, my my announcement to the world of what it means to be sacramental. But yeah, uh, so you're in process on that. That's that's yeah. But I, I just think of it, I think worldview. Mm-hmm. Like I, I definitely think that it's a perspective on on reality. You know, it's a certain way to to view. It's a lens. No mm-hmm. no different than any other theological lens. But I mean, you like studied Augustine. You're like you're like a sacramental queen king okay so yeah i did and uh the reason i asked that is because some people are really strict like no there are the sacraments there's baptism there's eucharist communion there yeah. is you know and then if you have maybe the, sac- the sacrament of the word word and faith and then you know for catholic you have other you know orthodox you have marriage other, uh, marriage uh last rites um confirmation and things like that so uh but then there's the question of the kind of the broader worldview of well, what makes those things sacramental or are there sacramental things? And then people talk about how the whole church is a sacrament, the sacrament mm-hmm. of God. So, um, but I, and then there's charismatic, right? So it's the work of the spirit. So sacramental charismatic. Uh, and I was thinking uh, as I think through theology or being a theologian or making theology, theology that doesn't suck is what I'm trying to think through right now Yeah, is I think, I, I, so I think of three things. One is that a sacramental or sacramentalist and a charismatic, they take material reality seriously. Mm-hmm. So the sacraments usually come from ordinary activities, whether it's bathing for baptism uh, or being dunked in the water swimming, uh, whether it's uh, the common elements of bread and juice, bread and wine, things that, you know, table, just regular meals. Yeah. I take those things seriously as conduits or pathways that God's grace is ministered to us through faith. Uh, and so material reality is really important. And also, and this is why I feel like the charismatics often forget, is that material reality is important. Ordinary material mm-hmm. reality is important through the work of the spirit. So the spirit hovering over creation, the spirit yeah. of life. What is that? Psalm 104 speaks mm-hmm. about the you know spirit of life being over all things. So theologians oftentimes kind of forget about material reality. We'll talk about creation, uh, but we really just want to talk about God's word and God's revelation, God's actions in the world. But I think we need to slow down and say, hey, like God made material reality. He called it good. So mm-hmm. let's like rest with that. So the first, my first thought is theology that is both sacramental and charismatic takes material reality seriously. What do you think? Handing it back to you, Luke. Yeah, I, I think that's a big, um, you know, part of the sacramental charismatic, um, you know, lean perspective worldview is, yeah, seeing, I think, you know, like for me, the charismatic world, when I, when I think back about like my childhood upbringing, you know, and, and charismatic type churches it was so like like i think eucharist the eucharist was a, was a perfect example like a lot of churches don't even it's not like a normal the thing Euchar- what yeah the eucharistic part you know no, we celebration call it, uh, communion, communion or yeah. the lord's table right yeah we called it the lord's supper or communion pretty much um you know but like things that were that were um like that were not practiced very often and so for me, the sacramental, this is what I, I was thinking about this, like how I stumbled into like what I would call the sacramental charismatic perspective was, um, I remember I went to this, uh, I went to this, I was speaking at this conference and I went to one of the, I guess the breakout sessions and it was a, it was a, uh, celebration of the Eucharist. And I remember sitting there and I was like, man, I, I have not been to a, to a, um, 
to a church service that that put so much energy and effort into this. Like it was like really obvious that it was a really big deal for this in this space. And um, and I got, I mean, I guess charismatics would say wrecked. I don't know if that's the term these days, but I got I got ruined. Uh, I've also heard that um, I got smashed by by God, whatever the the trendy thing is. And I had that happen though in the midst of receiving communion. That's and it was awesome. like, yeah, I mean, it was like, man, I mean, full on filled with the love of God. Um, and I remember like this kind of, I got in my car and I was driving back and I, cause I driven to this conference and I was driving, it was like a 16 hour drive or whatever. And I remember the whole time I was just thinking, I was like, I was like, man, I guess there's something to this whole like communion thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, oh yeah. And then as I, I spent some time, you know, just reading different theologians and in interacting with it, what I started to realize is that to actually to the more the more that we explore the charismatic world, or like you know, I think of pneumatology in general, the sense of like the the, the Holy Spirit, the more sacramental I became, mm-hmm. which is I think um, kind of what you're getting at is that charismatic theologians, by and large, historically have spent time talking about a number of things like spiritual gifts. Um, you know, like prophecy and healing and, and, and needing to like, um, figure out what's the relationship between the revelation of God's word, you know, found in scripture. And then, you know, like, uh, ongoing prophetic revelations and how do you, you know, which one's more authoritative and all, you know, they spent all that time there. And we haven't, you know, historically, we haven't spent a lot of time thinking about where the spirits at work in all these other areas. Like you talked about creation. Like, I think most charismatic theologians for, you know, the first 50, 60 years of our history, like they just would say, oh yeah, of course the Holy Spirit was involved in creation, but that was like it. Like they didn't think through the implications of what that actually meant to their larger theological, I guess, worldview. So that's why I really like, I think of this, the charismatic sacramental, sacramental charismatic, that like that relationship to me is about worldview. And it is absolutely a pneumatological lens to, to explore because I personally, when I think about how many sacraments there are, I think I've, you know, I think we talked about that on our last time you were on this podcast when you didn't take it over, when you were invited this time, <laughs> this time I just, I was just happy to notice that back. you were, yeah, you're, you're on it. But, uh, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't necessarily think in terms of how many, how many sacraments there are. I think, um, I think you can, but I also like to think in the, in the sense of sacramental as an adjective, whereas I, I do think that the church is a sacramental um, community. Like there is a, there's a way where you can experience God's grace within, within the church community, um, you know, things like that. So yeah, it's been pretty much my, my way of orienting around this, this topic. Well, that leads me to the second point. Are you ready for the second one? I'm is ready for your, that, uh, sacramental charismatics take community very seriously. Um, I think, uh, especially for the sacraments, uh, you really can't do anything sacramental by yourself. Like I know sometimes uh, people talk about like baptizing themselves and I'm always like, you should not baptize yourself, right? You need to be <laughs> baptized by somebody else. Isn't that that movie, The Apostle? Uh, you that movie? Probably. Probably. <laughs> Robert Duvall may, if you have not seen that movie, you need to watch it. But I think he does that. He goes out and baptizes himself as an apostle too. Like he baptizes himself and then declares that he's an apostle. Doing it wrong. So you're saying, you're saying yeah. I can't do that. No, you can't do that. As and um, 
I think a lot of times like theologians, you know, they, they kind of do this whole theology thing, uh, a solitary individual, you know, writing by themselves, typing by themselves and doing all these things. Yes. But, but theology is really a communal task connected to reality, but also connected to community praying over the elements for communion. You know, that's done mm -hmm. by the leader, by a priest, you know, pastor, whoever. Um, but it's really done for the community. And there's like this, you know, it's the sideways loving your neighbor, but also loving God kind of situation that the, that all mm -hmm. the elements kind of represent. But the same thing is true on the charismatic side is that it's all about building yeah. a community, that the gifts of the spirit are for the edification and the building up of the entire body. The gifts of the mm -hmm. spirit are given and poured out for mission. And so they're not really for myself. Um, receiving the gift of the spirit is not, you know, so that I can feel good or feel extra spiritual or feel like God is extra close to me. That's not like that's yeah. when we seek those things, no wonder it dries up after a while. But and then same way, the fruit of the spirit, you know, are, I think, inter like interpersonal realities. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Like those things aren't just interior feelings, right? They're interpersonal realities. So the gifts of the spirit and the fruit yeah. of the spirit are for the community. And uh, so theology that isn't building up the community at all times. Uh, and again, I'm always bringing this back to the theologian's life. So mm -hmm. I hope that's okay. So no, I, think, are... I think you're, I think what you're saying is true though, uh, because I, I thought, I think of like uh, the sacramental charismatic, um, you know, world as really wanting to see a, um, the intersection between pneumatology and ecclesiology as well as missiology. Like for me, those three components are all kind of like bouncing back and forth. When I think about the sacramental charismatic, like way of way of life, you know, where it's, I mean, I think, you know, to be sacramental is, is to see, I, I mean, just the, the basic, you know, that adage, um, you know, that a sacrament is a means of grace, you know, a means of grace for who? <laughs> and it's, if it's just me, then we're, we're missing, you know, a big component to the, to the kingdom, I think, you know, so I, I think you're right. Absolutely. But why is it though? Let me ask you this though. You know, I'm asking like, the questions. No, just kidding. I think, I think, you, man, you are taking over, uh, you know, as the, <laughs> Actually, this conversation is just a pretense for me to hack all your systems while you're not paying attention. Yeah, so right, I'm, right I'm now, just, yeah, I'm just raiding taking everything. over Luke It's now yours. Um, Actually, your whole persona, your online identity <laughs> will be gone at the end of the day. Right now it'd be sweet if I could um, somehow um, like put animation where my face becomes yours right now. That'd be, that'd be really cool. Um, All right. So what was your time. question? If you still so remember. you're, you know, and I eventually we're going to, you know, do, cause we're going to probably do more and more of these together because we might as well uh, record when we talk a lot, but uh, you know, like in the charismatic tradition, it seems to me that um, there is definitely a high level of individualistic, um, you know, thinking action. Um, and I, and I know a lot of that is because of the culture we're in, 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 in an American um, setting. There's definitely a, a hard, a, like a lot of emphasis, a hard focus on, you know, individual rights and individual freedom of expression and, you right. know, things like that. Um, you know, so it seems like, you know, you and I are saying, hey, actually, to be more biblical, which is where we get our, our um, sacramental charismatic theology, right, where we derive that from the authority of scripture and what we read in scripture and just doing good theology as we, as we exegete texts and whatnot. But why do you think in the past um, the charismatic tradition has tended to be way more um, individualistic? Um, you know, I mean, like I think of some of the main, I mean, I'm just going to step on toes right now. TBN, 
God bless you, TBN. I'm sure that if you signed me and paid me a lot of money, I would do a show on TBN. Um, but by and large, you know, there's all these people who watch TBN charismatic craziness and they're just doing it from their living room. They never, ever go to church. I mean, I know tons of people who like, they would consider the, you know, televangelist person, their, their pastor. They've never met them, never seen them, never actually been engaged in a gathering, you know, embodied gathering. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like, I, I feel like the Sacramento charismatic perspective has actually pushes back against that too but what's you know like flesh that out for me like why do you think that's so common why are charismatics so self-focused why are you so self-focused as a charismatic jeff (laughs) well i think it it goes back to what you said american at least the american brand of like pentecostal and charismatic christianity is very individualistic uh we are uh and it's not just Pentecostal charismatics, it's the whole like kind of evangelical stream. Uh, we've been told that, um, you know, we, we, a lot of it comes back to the English language and how we translate our Bibles is, uh, a lot of the, the eyes and we's and, and U's and things are all translated as personal, as singular pronouns when really most of the Bible is spoken in the plural to the collective you all, you all, and these types of things. Uh, I think we've been taught, uh, a very kind of smaller understanding of the gospel, which is us getting to heaven. And in the meantime, we are kind of just like, you know, marching our way, you know, through this life just to try to survive. And so our understanding of salvation is kind of very individualistic also. So there's all these streams that kind of feed into why it is that it's just me and Jesus and my leader. Uh, I think a lot of it uh, back to the, like we all have these like Moses figures where Moses will go to the top uh, of the mountain, kind of bring back the the, the nugget, the word. Uh, you know, this is like the prophecy, the prayer movements, um, healing kind of things, the anointing and things like that, where we want to find our Moses who will give us, you know, the new word, and then we'll just kind of digest it on our own. And really, that's not New Testament Christianity at all. There's no Moses, There's no longer a Moses that goes and brings the word. Why? Why, Luke? Because the Spirit has been poured out on all flesh, the communal. And so we're all given these, you know, words, we're all given visions, we're all giving signs and prophecies and these types of things. So we need to be working these things out together, uh, mm. which is why we need community. But so often we want the shortcut. Hey, I don't know if you notice this community is really hard. Uh, and it takes a lot of time. And yeah. the efficient, effective is to just put one person in charge and tell everybody else what to do. And then at least I being told what to do can feel good that I'm doing the right thing. Or if I'm in charge, I feel good because I'm telling other people what to do and we all feel good. But God didn't set up the situation to be like that. He said, actually, you're all like sons and daughters in the family. And we as a family are going to start working this out together. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's hard. That's messy. You yell at your brothers and sisters when you disagree mm-hmm. and then you work it out. So I don't know. That's some yeah. of my thoughts on why we do it in the individualist way. What do you think? I, I've thought, I mean, I think I've, I've done sermons on this concept of, um, you know, when you think about, cause charismatics like to think about spaces for the spirit, right? Like, mm-hmm. Oh man, I got to go to Friday night worship. Cause man, Holy Spirit's going to show up, <laughs> you know, wherever they say it. That's how that's Michigan people, by the way, they talk is like that. Uh, uh but, no, they do. No, I've been there. No. I've been there. My my wife my wife introduced me to uh, Charismatics in Michigan. You know, so I know about you guys. Um, okay. But like whatever it is, they go to, they go to the Friday night prayer meeting or worship night or whatever. And, and it's true. Like I think that those spaces or even conferences in the vineyard, 
movement, which, you know, you both, you and I both are part of uh, churches in the vineyard. Right. I mean, we like conferences, right? Conferences are the, are the whammy. Um, and it's interesting because I, I think of that as a space for the work of the spirit, but I think that more transformative stuff happens in the space of conflict in community than probably we would ever acknowledge. And the only way, the way that I got to see that as conflict, as a, as a opportunity for the spirit was through a sacramental lens. Because when I started viewing the world through this reality of like, Hey, there's opportunities where the spirit's at work and there's means of grace. And there's, there's these little, little, I guess we, I like to use the word liminal spaces, you know, like these little nuggets of the, the already and the not yet breaking in. And we're in this like really weird space. Um, conflict became a place where that could actually happen. Like you're saying, you can't have conflict when it's just you. Like I found that I always agree with myself every time. Like if it's just me, I'm doing good. That's kind of right? like me and dad jokes. I think I'm the funniest person I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So but your kids, but your kids don't think you're the funniest. Well, until, yeah. well, until, until they were 11, they, they did think I was the funniest. <laughs> but now they're teenagers ruined everything. So, mm-hmm. so community, like we say, um, I have a friend, Dan White, and he, you know, he says, if you want to see God at work, immediately find an enemy and start loving them. Mm-hmm. It's like that's like like the best way to jumpstart any kind of spirit spirit revival. Uh, and yeah. and I do think that sometimes the sacramentalists who can be too contemplatively oriented, and then some of the charismatics which can be too like I want the fire and I want, you know, like the, the rain, yeah. like we're, we're, it's like we're chasing rain smoke around. machines and lights. Right. And those can be kind of community adverse when they're pushed to their mm-hmm. extremes. Uh, but how can we, um, you know, like out there, like people who are seeking the spirit, I said, well, find, find like someone you don't like and try to love them. And then the spirit will be at work in your life real quick. Yeah. But oh, that sounds, that sounds too hard. Jeff. Yeah, I know most people don't want it. Most people don't really want <laughs> the hard work. of exactly discipleship. Right. Uh, and so they'd rather just be like, well, I felt tinglys when I went to that worship thing. So I'm going to go to the next one. That's like, well, yeah, yeah, that might've, that might've been the spirit and I'm all for tinglys and I'm all for worship. I love all that stuff. And I'm all for yeah. smells and bells and high liturgy. So I'm all for those mm-hmm. things. But after a while they could just be the dead letter. Um, yeah, I mean, that's why, isn't that why the charismatic tradition and the liturgical traditions need each other? I mean, at yeah, the end of the day. And I don't know who said it first, but I read it in Randall Balmer's book, um, one of his books. He's a evangelical yeah. kind of historian. He says, yeah, well, we, and you probably heard this. You probably even said this in mm-hmm. the podcast. It's like the fire of the charismatic yeah. movement needs to be in the fireplace of the liturgical church. Yeah, yeah, but absolutely. Too often there's no fire in the fireplace, even though it looks wonderful. And too often the fire of the charismatic church is just a wildfire that burns out yeah. immediately, right? So we yeah. kind of need the two together. And that's what I like. Yeah, his, uh, I can't. Podcasts that I, are taking over. Yeah, I can't remember which book it was where he talked about that. It's in one of his church history I books, you know. he did, my, my eyes It's the evangelical the one, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I remember reading that and I was like, man, he, you know, it's it's interesting because I think as a historian, you know, when he's writing, it, it's like historians have interesting observations, like, right, where theologians sometimes are so in the middle of like the minutia of the actual debates, the church historians come along and say, huh, well, that's interesting. <laughs> like these, these different 
traditions or streams of the church have bring something to the table and and are, are are needed for each other and i think that's why like i don't know i mean when i think about um when i think about church the church in the future i mean partly partly i've i think i've been like in a um i don't know like i don't want to call it covid 19 days or glaze but i feel like there's definitely a part of that where so much of my, yeah. I mean, you just get, it's like, man, when we first started, cause I was actually just looking like, so the last time that the Sacramental charismatic published a episode was with you Shut up. with you. <laughs> yeah. Then you took it over, man, but it went live. <laughs> it went live on May 26th. And so we're in the middle of, we're like July. What? I don't even know what the day is. Eighth, uh, seventh, seven. Yeah. So it's been about a month and a half, um, ish. And, um, and, but it was, it was interesting because I've been thinking a lot about how, you know, I was, I've, I've been like, man, I got to get, I got to get back to, to doing that, you know, but there's, there's almost like this, um, this glaze, you know, of content creation. But one thing I have been thinking about 45 days since the last time uh, we put one, of, I put one of these out <laughs> is, uh, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about how, um, how, like, what's the church going to look like in the future? Because I'm not sure what is going to happen, but I was, I was talking to my wife. Um, the other day because she's just, she struggled a little bit with, with some of the craziness of, you know, of the world we live in now. And I was like telling her, I was like, you know, part of it is that we have to come to the conclusion that the world that we knew before the beginning of 2020 is, is over. And I don't mean that in doom or gloom. I just think that now things have changed. Like when I watch TV now and I see people like hugging, I'm like, clearly pre COVID-19, it's like, no one's hugging now, right? Right. Or or you're not supposed to, like I say. Uh, so anyway, I'm like, I'm thinking a lot about that with church, you know, and like, what does the church of the future look like where technology probably has more of a role? Um, I mean, I've heard this from numerous pastors that I've been trying to encourage them to go like to live stream for like five years and they're like, ah, oh, they can't do it. But now they've been forced right. to do it. And now they're like, I just was talking to one this morning. He was like, so thankful um, for this video I'd made about how to live stream. Cause he was like, man, I, I know I fought you. Cause we used to argue about it all the time. He's like, I know I fought, fought you forever, but I'm just so glad that we did that. We'll never, ever go back to not having live stream. So like church of the future, like what does it look like to be a sacramental charismatic in a technology like environment? And then while still having a really high value for embodied worship and, and community, like, I don't, I, I don't know. That's well, why I have you on here. Well, no, but the, well, I I thought I was having Saul. I thought you Saul. were on here. I mean, I'm sorry. That's we're having why. you on that's, here. But th that's so why you had it. me as a guest on this show to ask you that question to set you up so you could answer exactly. it. But that's that's why I started off with the first one is a sac a sacramental charismatic thinking through theology, thinking through ecclesiology, which would be like the doctrine of the church. It takes mm -hmm. material reality seriously. So no matter how much online tools might help us get the message out, you know, and this is an online stuff is it's new because it's interactive. So you can actually have real time dialogue, which is mm -hmm. not what old time radio shows had or yeah. TV broadcasts. Um, and so broadcasting a message or a service is not new, but having it video live and interactive is kind of new, mm -hmm. but that's still a disembodied kind of uh experience yeah. although it still could be more communal and so that's I, I got in a big fight with some of my theological and pastoral mentors back in march who were just freaking out about online church and i was like when we talked about online church like back in the 2000s like it different world it wasn't live streaming interactive yeah. uh which is not great uh, it's not perfect and everybody's got zoom 
burnout and all that kind of stuff. Totally. But, but it is different. And so like the I idea, sold all my stock in Zoom. I sold it. I couldn't do it anymore. It was just yeah, too much. You wish. Uh, it got up like 100% in value. So, so I'd be like this right now. Material existence is important. Uh, financial mm -hmm. existence, I guess. Uh, but taking um, and then community life is important. And so as we think of um, online church and what it means to live stream and things like that, like we still need to be casting the value of embodied interactive communal experience, even if for this time being, you know, like we're not at our church, we're not serving communion uh, mm -hmm. in any fashion. We're doing um, drive in kind of sit on lawn chair. So no um, virtual communion for you guys, huh? Uh, well, we, we actually did that um, when we were all meeting in the homes and pushing out like a live stream service. Uh, we did kind of ask people to kind of serve in their, yeah. you know, because so, I want to, I want to talk about that with you. I'm, I'm right. taking my show back for a all right. Um, do it. I still like, have one I, point we're sitting on, but we got time. We're gonna come, yeah, because we've got 14 mm -hmm. hours. Um, so like, I don't. So yeah. what's the question? Can we serve communion through? Well, the, I know my opinion on that because like what I saw on Twitter, which is where you should get all your theological <laughs> inspiration, uh, is I, so my I. I didn't. I did my uh, first my seminary degree, my MDiv, in a reformed environment, uh, and and uh, so all these reformed theologians that I follow were, you know, basically just going crazy at the idea of virtual communion, right. or on, you know, like just losing their marbles. And I mean, posting these long Twitter diatribes. And I just my initial response to that was actually that I thought, hmm. It seems to me that you need a stronger sense of sacramental theology, and you also need better ecclesiology. And then you would find that argument to be so ridiculous that you would just stop posting these tw Twitter diatribes. All right. And what was there? Why were they yeah. against it? Because uh, I know I saw a lot of Catholics whoa, 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 whoa. that whoa, were pretty whoa, whoa, whoa. upset. Jeff, 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 Jeff. Reformed theologians are against everything because they have to, by nature, be against it. Okay. <sighs> I'm in I am essentially reformed. I can pick on myself. So, okay. But, um, no, but seriously though, for those who might not know, why would it be impossible to have? Well, that, that was interesting. So union. most of these theologians were um, not reformed Baptists, but were Presbyterians. Right. So Presbyterians in my, in my understanding of the difference between like reformed Baptists and Presbyterians, Presbyterians take all of their um, Eucharistic theology from Calvin. Right. And Calvin, in my opinion, is a charismatic sacramental guy. I mean, he talks about it's real a pneumatological, yeah. yeah, it's the it's the spiritual, real spiritual presence view, which is the exact view I have personally. So, like, he's charismatic. So that's what was interesting is that they almost have like a they have like a low pneumatology in 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 um, practice uh, was one of the arguments. You know, it's like like somehow the Holy Spirit wouldn't bless <laughs> that Eucharistic celebration if it wasn't done in face-to-face -face person um but the biggest thing that i thought was fascinating about their some of their okay oh, i could jump in though so are you saying yeah. that they're being practical catholics and by that i mean yes catholic ecclesiology yes. and sacramentology yes. the role of the priest priest in the, in the presence of uh actual sacramental service yeah. Uh, is necessary for the transformation yeah. of the elements from the basic elements to the very body and blood of Christ. And then those elements are given to the congregation and then yes. remotely they're actually traveled. And Apostolic. It's, um, yeah. It's, right. And so it's very much like this. And that's why Catholics did have a very 
the, uh, I respect the Catholics to yeah. the shutdowns and the lockdowns because you're basically yeah. saying, hey, we can no longer receive communion. And for them, and I, res I respect a means that. of salvation. And so actually yeah. not to receive communion. So, but, but what you're saying, which I think is right, is reformed people and most Protestants don't have all that machinery wrapped up in no. the sacramental viewpoint. And so priesthood of all we, believers. And if you're a charismatic sacramentalist, you could say, hey, the spirit's at yeah. work in all things. So if I have bread and yes. juice here on the stage, yes. even pre-recorded, and you pray with me with your, mm -hmm. you know, donut and your coffee or whatever, maybe not. Uh, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Okay. But your bread and your juice at home, we had kombucha. Does that count? Slightly fermented. You know? <laughs> so, so we have kombucha and bread at home uh, and we're taking the things that we're doing the motions together. You'd say the spirit is at work. Boom. I would say that the spirit could solve everybody's online problems. Like, yeah. I mean, I just, I think that's crazy though, but, but what's, but, but here's the other side of that coin though. Okay. Uh, because I'm a sacramental charismatic, I have a high value for um, liturgical practices. And I would say one of them would be the lament or lamenting or having a value for, you know, having a space where people can grieve. And, and maybe that's because I, again, the sacramental charismatic perspective, I think also has a high value for spiritual formation and the spiritual, spiritual direction and, and uh, formative practices and all that type of discipleship stuff. Um, but I, so I can also understand how there's certain people who say, Hey, you know, um, are, we're not going to receive communion nearly uh, either. We're not going to, until we can gather in space, or we're also going to do it on a less, less common practice because it does create in us a sense of longing and desire for community. And I think that's true too. So I can, I can totally understand people's, um, personal, like, I think that's something to wrestle with, but what I cannot understand is how anybody who would say that they believe in the priesthood of all believers they believe in the ongoing presence and power of the Holy Spirit, especially in the sacraments, could make the argument that virtual uh, communion is demonic or wrong or like, like I just, oh. I would change the word though. I agreed with everything you said, except for virtual, because isn't it really just remote communion? Because it's, I don't like, know. It's not, I don't like, know. Because it's not like pretend or it's not like fake. It's like real. So is I that what virtual like, means? I don't even know. I'm looking up what virtual does, means. Does it, Keep going. In my mind, virtual church would just mean like screen to screen. But if we're actually like taking communion and like sharing a, a I don't know. You look, it's you, a, look up, you look up. the. Well, it's a, so it's an actual, it's a, an adjective. Uh, being such in power, force or effect, though not actually or expressly such. Um, it has to do with optics. Uh, or temporarily simulated or extended by computer software. Yeah, I, I don't know. All right. Well, I, I've, I've been using I've been using the word virtual, and other people have been using the word online. And I'm like, I don't know. I just no, no. The the bottom line is that we're just trying, man. So if we're gonna go sci-fi, like virtual is like when yeah. a dude got sucked into the Tron program uh, yes. or the mainframe, you, you're and then became a robot. Oh, right. who? I mean. I, well, am I, yeah. Although I'm going to have to be really honest right now and say that uh, I like the original Tron way better than the new one. Way. I like the new one. I also I didn't hate it. Yeah. But I the original, the, the original was like lasers, lights, you know, the new one felt like there was nothing really cutting edge about it. Yeah. Like when the first one, the first one was like amazing. The new one was like, ah, oh, that's cool. But we, that's CGI. Cool. Computer. Yeah. Stuff. So that's definitely virtual. At least we can agree on that. Yeah. So, okay. Your third, you have a third. My third yeah. point 
is that a sacramental theologian or theologies that take the sacraments and the charismatic seriously would take God's word seriously. So the, and I mean this expansively. So I mean this in the Genesis one that God spoke and the world became, uh, do expand. I I mean that, uh, certainly that we take the God's word as in scripture seriously, but also the, the son, the second person in the Trinity, the word, uh, so a sacramental imagination takes all those things and understands that all of reality is mm-hmm. part of the spoken word, the still speaking word of the son. But, uh, and, uh, as a charismatic reality is that those things are always spoken through the spirit. And so the mm-hmm. incarnation of Jesus of the son only comes through the Holy spirit's overshadowing of Mary and, um, the spirit. Uh, is kind of through which I believe, uh, and wait, this would be a whole nother argument through, through which all of scripture is revealed. So the 10 commandments, like all the things in the old Testament mm-hmm. are revelation. And so the spirit and the word always go together. Um, but as charismatics, I would say, and you, you mentioned this a little bit about the discernment and receiving words of prophecy is that like God is still speaking. So I think a lot mm-hmm. of times people in the reformed tradition or other traditions, it's kind of like, well, God spoke and now we just mm-hmm. read about it. And then we, you know, maybe experience Jesus. But I, I still think the charismatic says, well, God is still speaking in the same way that the sacramental is saying, well, God is still at work through things. Yeah. And so the sacramental and the charismatic basically says like God's word is still like at work in the world. And we need in faith to be receiving and discerning and upholding that word. And I think that's pretty powerful. So, I mean, your, your doctrine of scripture sounds a lot like my main man right there. That guy. It sounds you're sounding very Parkian. When someone says <laughs> we need to focus on the word of God more, I say, Yes, let's talk about Jesus. Yes. That sounds like something Carl Bart would say, just so you know. All right. Um if you I, like, I have a I have a coffee podcast. mug. I have a coffee mug. It's not here, but it says the answer is Jesus. What's the question? And it's got Carl Carl on it. Uh <laughs> I love it. But no, I I uh yeah, I mean like I have a hard, well, you know, you're saying about how most of the reformed tradition, I think that's interesting because so the young restless and reformed movement of the early mid two thousands and all of that crowd, um, which I would say, you know, there's a lot of people in that movement and tradition that I, I find valuable and having helpful things. And then sometimes saying things that make me want to, um, poke my eyeballs out. Um, (laughs) But uh, like most of them seem to be either charismatic or continuationist. And like when people say they're continuationist, it's like, I want to be respectable by all my conservative evangelical friends to know that I'm not charismatic. I'm continuationist. So like, I'm not crazy. I I think what they would say, it's like the, you know, it's the the, work, but we'll just, we're happy to talk about it. It's the DA Carson world, you know, where it's like, I know that I can't exegetically argue for a cessationist worldview or reading of the Bible, but I'm also not going to encourage the craziness. Uh, okay. So, so practical cessationists. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's exactly how I, I call it. It's like, you know, theoretically you're, you're charismatic or open to that stuff, open and cautious, you know, but not practicing. But, uh, but what's interesting though, is outside of the U S um, and I've traveled a fair amount outside of the U S and I have not met a Presbyterian who was not a Pentecostal or charismatic, <laughs> like all Give of them are it up with Simon Chan, baby. They, yeah. Oh, it's involved. right. I keep forgetting that you like him as well. 
see, like for me, Simon Chan is in my top five of all time, easily, easily. And yeah, I think he's, you know, but he's a Pentecostal with a lot of influence amongst. He's like amongst a Pentecostal the, Orthodox, like Eastern Orthodox. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, he's, I mean, he engages with the Orthodox Church <clears throat> more than like anybody. Yeah, I know, that's awesome. Yeah. But so, really, what's really sad about him is he retired. So, because I love to have him on this, on, on, I'd love to have him on your podcast, but uh, thank he, you. He's retired, I'd love to have so. him on here too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. So, yeah, uh-huh. I think, I think uh, taking the word, okay, let's talk about that a little more though. So, um, I, I think a lot of people in today's cultural context would have no problem with, um, like the, all the parts of the word that aren't the Bible, because those are, um, like, I'm not going to suggest that reading the Bible is an objective um, practice, but I think that like, I can say that the inner voice inside of my head, (laughs) the Mm -hmm. charismatic prophecy, that's like harder, that's harder to discern sometimes, right? Like, well, I felt like the Lord wanted me to dot, dot, dot. But when it comes to the Bible, it seems that there's, um, like uh, what I'm finding is that you know, like more, more and more people are just not engaging the Bible on a regular right. basis. And, um, and I think, you know, like what you're talking about, a sacramental charismatic, it's almost like we have to go. Um, that's why that's such an important thing to flesh out for both of those traditions, because like, um, charismatics need, need to really be, I think, encouraged sometimes to like get into the Bible. Mm-hmm. But sacramental folks do too, right? Because liturgy can become a replacement for daily devotional, you know, reading. Um, and so I, I think that's a really good point you're saying about those those three different different things. That third and one, all though, those is, traditions that are like biblicists need more yeah, sacrament and more care. Totally, <laughs> more spirit. Yeah, no, they do. They need they need more of the mm-hmm. like. Um, but I mean, are there? I mean, on a serious level, this is going to sound so arrogant maybe theologically but i just it's like are there really any cessationists besides john MacArthur and his crew oh, sure tons oh yeah tons. like are there well there's practical well there's practical cessationists like i was raised um you know father son and holy scripture that was my yeah trinity and uh you know i think a lot of people have this like how uh, many then like, like are we talking about 15 of them i don't know man i think there's more than you hope what's the fear. numbers because I mean, like when I talk to people that are that are in in even in church traditions that are like on paper cessationist, they all like <laughs> like I'll give you a perfect oh, example. Uh, yeah, I think there's not that many doctrinal cessationists. I think there's lots of yeah, but I mean, even but even even the practical ones though really aren't is what I guess what I'm getting at. Like I was talking, I had this friend who's a Baptist, and so he's like hardcore, you know, the Bible, 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 and um, and so I was I went to his church one time and. He was telling me how they don't have any charismatic stuff. Like they're not charismatic. They don't do charismatic stuff. They're all about the Bible. And in the middle of their church worship thing, like two different people got up and brought their Bible, you know, to the front and was going to share like a share something. And they said, I just felt like the Lord laid it on my heart. <laughs> and then they, and then they said some like, like encouraging words. I'm out. That, that was yes. like the spirit leading. Okay. That's my, that's my point. I'm like, they, they did exactly what the new testament would call prophecy like it was totally encouraging um it was comforting strengthening encouraging and i was just yeah i was like huh but but they don't they don't do any of that stuff 
Oh wait, like, so so you're saying on on Friday, so so Sister Bessie, so you're saying, you yeah, thought you were you were like you thought of of Carol and her newborn, you just thought of her spontaneously, and you, had and then you, a, and yeah. then you brought a casserole over because you know she was like, but that yes. but the spirit had nothing to do with that. None. Yeah, and that's my that's why I'm I'm just saying like I think that uh, that you have a lot of people who are having. Like, like when I do polls, you know, where I'm like, Hey, you know, how many of you would say you've had a like spiritual experience that is unexplainable or that you, you know, like you can't fit into a box or a grid. Like most people do. Most people are like, Oh, I've had something, you know, like there, I guess like, it just seems like more and more people are, are increasingly aware of the fact that, that the world we live in is not just what you can see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that oh, yeah. there's all these like right and to me that actually is leaning into a more sacramental charismatic world or at least, at least it's like an awareness right where we can start talking about some of these things so i think is now i'm just making up a fourth i got through my Do three it. but I, oh. so the fourth one is i think there's a huge mission there's like a leading edge for mission for a sacramental charismatic because you yes. have all sorts of people who have some sort of so outside the church have a deep sense of spirituality of the, mm -hmm. uh, have awe and uh wonder in the world they go out you're a fisherman you're you do tours like you probably run into all sorts of people who are like i don't know i sense the divine out creation right so that's just yeah. that's both a sacramental and a charismatic framework or you have other people who have these like ecstatic experiences spiritual warfare stuff i live in a haunted house and it's like that charismatic orientation it's like those two should be huge on-ramps for mission and evangelism uh, but if you just kind of have the, why well, preach God's word and I'm going to tell people I'm a sinner, if that's like all you have in your tool belt, then like you're really missing out on where I think people could, you could share like the spirit is at work in your life. Like I remember this one time uh, hmm. I had this guy that I was kind of like witnessing to. Uh, and I was also because I'm a doctor. I don't know if I mentioned that, but I was working. P H. I was, I was working on my dissertation, and I needed to get this done. I like how and you. I, by the way, I just want to. You dropped it in really well. You're like, but like, but next time, let me just show you how you needed it. Next time, you don't say because I'm a doctor. You say, I was working on my dissertation for my PhD, and then you then you keep going. Yeah. So you, but, you work on that. But I was. Uh, so <clears throat> back to my story. Yeah, get your uh, story. I needed to, so I go to start. So I I go to Starbucks to get out of the house. I wrote most of my dissertation in a Starbucks, and I was like, "Well, which one should I go to?" I have these three that I go to, and I bounce around. And I was like, "If I go to this one, I'm in my spirit. I'm like, if I go to this one, like I might run into that guy, and then he's going to talk my ear off, and I won't get anything done." And then I don't know. Call it the spirit. I felt in my heart, God say. <laughs> You should go to this one. And if you see him, you should talk to him. And I was like, ah, dang it. Fine, Jesus, I'll go. Or the spirit, whoever it was. Right. So I'm trying to be, I live obediently. Uh, so I go to that <laughs> Starbucks. Sure enough, that person's there. I was like, ah, I'm going to get nothing done. Uh, see, I'm a terrible Christian. And so, so then he's like, hey, I was, uh, you know, he's kind of like, he doesn't really pray, but he's like, I, I was, I was kind of communicating to the divine, you know, the, that I hoped I would see you today. Uh, and then, so then I immediately connect the dots. I was like, Oh, the God's spirit told me to come here, even though I didn't want to, so I could talk with you. Right. So I'm just like telling him God's spirit was at work and he was like, what? To, you know, and he had this big problem. So, so anyways, wow. it's like, you know, he's like kind of communicating to the divine, like, Oh, I yeah. see Jeff today. And 
would you know it? Like the divine spirit was communicating to me, like I should go to that Starbucks. So that's, that's crazy. What talking about, but these are the kind of things. Yeah. Sacramento charismatics. Boom. We could change the world. Luke, this podcast, true. my podcast is going to change the world. <laughs> I love your podcast. Your podcast, by the way, is genius. <laughs> uh, you, hey, have you, have you listened to uh, Paul? I'm going to totally pronounce his name incorrectly, but Paul and Leitner. Uh, from Minneapolis, Minnesota, I think he's in the Twin Cities. Uh, he has a podcast called uh, "Deep Talks: Exploring Theology and Meaning Making." You heard that one? Um, great podcast. You should check it out. Oh, in fact, that. shout out to Paul. Uh, but he 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 has this. Uh, he had a podcast. Uh, I've been kind of listening to his, and it, and it was like about transcendental meditation and how. There's all these people now exploring that, and, and uh, he actually had Adam Russell, uh, this uh, vineyard dude as well, who's the worship. Actually, I think he's like the worship yeah, director, like, coordinator. Yeah. I don't even know what we call our people. Bishop of worship. I don't know. Um, lead servant, something like leads, that. Right? <laughs> lead servant. Uh, anyway, they were talking about transcendental experiences and psychedelics and whatnot, but it was interesting because like. What they what when they were talking, it just confirmed this this um, again observation I have, where all these people have like these crazy, crazy spiritual experiences that they cannot put you know put a name on. And I think you're right. If we have, which actually is, um, it's almost like when somebody tells you, uh, I had this conversation today. Somebody was telling me about how they went through like a real season of of unbelief, and they they now attribute it because they played the Ouija board when they were younger and they like were telling me all about like the Ouija board and how it was, you know, just messed them up. And I was like, I was like, Hey dude, I totally believe in everything you're saying. And I was like, because I'm charismatic, like I totally believe in demonic oppression and spiritual and, and, and the clash of the kingdoms. And, and I was just kind of like, yeah, dude, cause they, they're kind of like, yeah, you're going to think I'm crazy. I was like, no, I don't. We're both crazy. <laughs> exactly, you know, like exactly. I'm with you. And it was fascinating because this conversation was like, I was confirming that experience, you know, and I was just saying, yeah. And I think it's because of both the sacramental, which sees the world as being a world where God's at work in all things. And then because I'm charismatic and I'm trying to intentionally see where the spirit's at work so I can partner with the Holy Spirit, it absolutely changes our perspective and how we we go about our our world, right? Our life, because then we're we're wanting to to participate in those things, and we can we actually can um, we can assume that the world can be changed by what we do. And if I can, you know, ever if I can just work so hard to be so ever humble as you to have both a PhD and be obedient to Jesus, I would love to a lot of work being change the humble. world, change change that world. <laughs> ever humble. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I watched the mocking. The, the mocking um, bird uh, or mocking what, what's the TV show books mo- you know the mocking really Jay, you know the, yeah mocking Jay whatever um, Hunger Games I don't know Hunger Games I was, trying, I was trying to say Hunger Games I kept wanting to say mock uh, the mocking games but I knew it wasn't that um, you heard it first here but anyway uh, yeah 
there's um, gotta be a podcast club. called the mocking games already that just like we're, rips the whole hunger or we should do uh, it <laughs> we we are starting that yeah i i but i love i love those those four things so like help me out again the four that you had just so for anybody oh, who's shoot. listening yeah get that paper you threw it i don't even I know what you did with it but it is, you were like uh, <laughs> takes uh material reality seriously takes community seriously takes god's word seriously and then the bonus one that we just threw in which I forgot. Oh, is that it takes, uh, I think is an opportunity mission for right? mission and evangelism. Yeah. 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 Those are so cool. boom. We that's like write that down or something, man. That's a book right there. That's a book right there. So if you're a um, publisher and you're interested, Luke and I, we're easy to find. We are so easy to find at <laughs> Luke Yeah. All right. So it actually is your show. So why don't you land the plane for your show? Yeah. So, okay. So for those of you who are uh, listening to this podcast, uh, just again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to it. Actually, Jeff, before I sign us off, you like, let us know, you know, people are going to be hearing you more and more on anything I do because you and I are finding out that we basically have a lot of similarities in our theological leanings. Um, uh, yes, but like, we do. so we're gonna do a else? lot of work together. If you're watching this on video, I just happen to have a yeah. book that I wrote on. Bam! Here. Does God really like me? My wife and I wrote this. The subtitle is "Discovering the God Who Wants to Be with Us." Yeah, it's a sneaky biblical theology, but also very practical about uh, how God. Uh, it really kind of is a sacramental kind of book, all about how God's been seeking yeah. to be with us um, for all of eternity. And then you can find me on Twitter at. Jeff with a G G E O F F Holscloth. That's the handle. It's the first and last name. Find me on on Facebook, uh, Instagram. I'm on all the places. Um, You're on the IG, yeah. huh? Mm-hmm. Posting exactly. those pictures of your perfect life. That's great. No, um, just my record player. Yeah. Although it's not nearly as cool as your record player. You have like ten record players. So I have lots of. Yeah. Eventually, hey, you know, eventually we're gonna have to do like a let people into our into your basement and into my office my studio and so they can see all the goodies um but yeah uh so hey for everybody that's listening watching jeff's book uh that he wrote wrote with his wife which i have not met your wife but i'm sure she's amazing because she seems like she's amazing uh the book is i just want to say you need to buy that there's a link in the description uh fantastic book and it's exactly what jeff uh just said it is like it's sneak the biblical theology sneaks up on you in fact i need to do a podcast where i talk about your book and review it and interview on it because it's actually genius because you do you sneak in a biblical theology in uh in under the guise of that question of you know does god really like me yeah it's like what who no one bought that book thinking they were gonna get a biblical theology but what do you give them you answer the question and you give them a biblical theology. Yeah. You're like, boom. You know, so anyway, like, uh, uh, d- you have a bunch of kids, right? Did your wife ever do the sneaky, the sneaky a chef bunch? thing? Like five? Like yeah, five? Yeah. The, the whole sneaky chef thing where you like, you somehow like get them broccoli and like all the good stuff, but they don't know it because it's just like hamburger and stuff like that. So that's, that's yeah. what the book is like. It's like the sneaky theologian, like a bunch of good yeah. stories and boom, you got a bunch of biblical theology. It's amazing. It is. It really is. And uh, for those who are asking, um, it was published by a real publisher. So just want you to know that. Um, shout out to all you people who are self-publishing on Amazon CreateSpace. But some people like Dr. Jeff um, have publishers that go after them. So someday when I get my PhD and I'm ever so obedient to Jesus, I may have that same experience, but probably not. But anyway, so yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. 
feel free to subscribe to this YouTube channel, or you can find this podcast on uh, wherever, actually, wherever you find uh, podcasts. We're, we're on Apple, we're on Google, we're on Spotify, all that type of stuff. And I'm using the word we now to describe the Sacramento Charismatic, which is really awkward. I don't know what happened, but Jeff did something. Uh, and then, you know, feel free to uh, find me on social media too. But hey, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all soon. Thank you.